I asked my guest, Laura Whitaker from Kentucky Nonprofit Network, to choose two words to best describe the health of the nonprofit sector in 2021. And she said, forging ahead. And you might agree with her too after you listen to this episode next on Small Shop Fundraising. Hello and welcome to Small Shop Fundraising, a podcast dedicated to small to medium-sized nonprofits and the topics and issues facing them today. My name is Liz Hack and I'm your host. Today on the podcast, we have a recurring guest. She was on our show mid-last year talking about Kentucky nonprofits, and she's back to talk about some surveys that she's done for the Kentucky nonprofit industry. Laura Whitaker, welcome back. Thanks for being here. Hi, Liz. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be back with you all. I like to see the data. I like to have benchmarks. I like to know where we are so we know where we where we can go. And so when Laura sent over this really jam-packed survey results, I wanted to have her on immediately. So I'm so excited to have you on as one of my first guests of the second season. So let's dig in. First off, tell us about the survey and why it was important for Kentucky Nonprofit Network to do this survey? Of course. Yeah. So, so KNN has partnered with Grantmakers of Kentucky and a few regional partners to do kind of a series of surveys since the start of COVID. We, I think this is our fourth survey um, that we're going to dig into today together. Um, but we want to continue checking in with, with nonprofits and kind of get a feel for how they've been affected throughout the pandemic. And, and the focus of this survey that we'll cover today is a year-end health of the sector survey. So we wanted to see, you know, most folks completed in December, how they were faring as of, you know, the end of 2020. Yeah. And that's literally the name of the, of the slide presentation that the Kentucky Nonprofit Network put together to present to your membership. And that is what we will be talking through today. Is that right? Yes, that's right. So we have some slides and I'll make sure that Liz has those to share with folks listening. And Liz, we also just released a a report that we just finalized uh, this morning. So um, I will get that to you as well. It has a a lot of the same information, but perhaps in a more uh, readable and printable and shareable form. We'll have um, as much of that information on the show notes. If you are not driving and you're in a safe place to follow along with the the slide deck in the show notes, please do so because I think it'll help really get a firm grip on where the Kentucky Nonprofit Network and its nonprofits who did the survey, where we see our industry as a whole. How many nonprofits were asked to respond and then how many actually did respond? Well, we ended up with 265 respondents and we sent this out. I mean, we have a, a mailing list of over 6,000. Wow. You know, there are, as you know, 20,000 nonprofits in the state of Kentucky. So it was open to any nonprofit in Kentucky and actually a few counties in Southern Indiana. Uh, and we had 265 responses. Okay. We've had, you know, for our previous surveys, we've had up to about 500. Mm-hmm. 
uh, for some of our earlier surveys, but we know, you know, folks are, are getting surveyed left and right these days about all sorts of things, including many from us. So we were happy with, with this number. Yeah. I feel like if you're not getting surveyed from the industry you're in, you're getting surveyed from the, the schools that your kids are in or the, you know, your community that you're in. So yes, everyone's getting a survey to understand where we are. So again, we know how to move forward into 2021. And so that's exactly. why I thought it was... So important. So let's dive right in. I'm looking at the slide deck, and that's what we'll kind of go from with this interview. And the first one is basically a snapshot of where we see nonprofits' annual revenue, employee tracking, and then burnout. You know, it's it's something that nonprofits track a lot is burnout. So how do these numbers from 2020 compare to 2019? Are they similar? Is Was there a big change? Yeah, so so for staff burnout, um, you know, we found that 78% of the respondents reported staff burnout being a concern. I mean, I we don't have 2019 numbers for this. We didn't complete these surveys in 2019, but I would imagine that staff burnout is often high in the nonprofit sector and from other, you know, other results, survey results that we've seen elsewhere. Um, that said, we were not surprised to see that the number was 78 and honestly imagine that um, we had kind of imagined that it might have even been higher because of both COVID and, um, you know, many nonprofit um, leaders and staff members going through, you know, a, a lot of perhaps trauma with racial justice issues and other other issues that came up in um, heavily in 2020. Um, in, in the other numbers that we cover on that slide, a 37% decrease in Kentucky nonprofits annual revenue. That is, of course, from the 265 respondents that we heard from. So as with this entire data set, it's really just a snapshot of the many, many nonprofits in Kentucky. Um, but we did capture that number back in the summer and it was a 14% decrease. Wow. So it is, um, you know, at 37%, it's, it's a much higher decrease now. Um, and then in terms of the staff layoffs, we found 31% of nonprofits have laid off or furloughed staff or plan to. That's just a bit higher than it was in the summer, uh, which is, you know, to be expected. I think we we experienced a few more layoffs uh, between the summer and the end of the year. You know, that goes right into this next slide that I wanted to talk about with the uh, nonprofits closing their doors. Not a good time for nonprofits to not be able to function with some of the other data that we'll show later, but there's such a increased need in certainly human services and, and, and other areas of where nonprofits do their work, but 7% of nonprofits report that they shut down in 2020. Does that mean there, there's not going to be a rebound for them? Yeah. So, um, and, and that number is up a little bit, you know, it was 4% this summer and now it's 7%. And while we, we don't have a specific follow-up to that question to dig in, you know, we are assuming that, that many of those will stay closed. You know, their doors yeah. will not reopen. Of course, there is still some hope, a glimmer of hope for, for some of those. Maybe they would experience some change in funding. You know, some of the organizations that may have shut their doors might have been smaller organizations to begin with, with little to no paid staff they might be able to, you know, find some resources to right. start back up at some point. 
So what do you think the economic impact of these um, these nonprofits closing their doors and it's not looking like they will open anytime soon, what's that impact on the state? Yeah, I mean, and that's hard to predict and really hard to say uh, because we're not exactly sure the demographics of those organizations that have shut. Um, so I don't know that it's a fair comparison to say that would be 7% or an expected 9% um, by mid-2021 of the you know total number of jobs across the right. sector, which would hopefully be much, I think that number would be much higher. Um, like I said, some of these organizations that might have shut may not have had paid staff, uh -huh. um, in which case, you know, that would that would bring the, the economic impact and the, the layoff numbers down a bit. That is that is good to hear since I I remember in a previous podcast interview with you, you said one in ten people in Kentucky work at a nonprofit, right? So yeah. that is good to hear that perhaps it's not as big of an impact on our labor force as it, it may seem in the numbers, correct? Yes, I would hope not, because if we're looking at those numbers, I mean, these numbers would predict nearly 25,000 jobs, um, and I, I would like to think that it would hopefully not affect that many, not to say that it's not going to affect many, sure. um, and that it's a huge loss to communities with or without jobs lost, but um, but I would hope that that number would actually be be less of an impact than if we did that math. Yeah. Uh, I'm always looking for the lemonade. And so, <laughs> exactly. There's a little. <laughs> there's a tiny bit of lemonade there. So as we move on, talking about services, uh, lost services and revenue um, into this next slide, what does this $2.1 million consist of, of total lost revenue due to COVID? Is this fundraising dollars or is this all revenue streams? Yeah, this is any and all revenue streams. So it, it might include, you know, individual giving, it might include earned revenue, government contracts, mm -hmm. all sorts of revenue sources. And I know we'll dig deeper into those in some future slides. Okay. But we did ask just about revenue in general, and that $201 million was just reported again by just those 265 responding organizations. So it's just a small snapshot and that number likely doesn't begin to cover the extent of lost revenue across the sector. And, and just to kind of put that into context, that's about 37% of folks annual revenue. At the nonprofit, right? Mm -hmm. So at the nonprofit, yep. 37%. When you say it in a percentage, it's not nearly as impactful, in my opinion, as a $201 million total lost revenue. And that's impacting with these lost services just under a million people, Kentucky and Southern Indiana, right? 926,000 mm -hmm. people. And we're going to talk more about this as we get into the later slides, but we're just kind of setting the stage. And so this podcast episode is not all doom and gloom. We need to set the stage. We need to understand where we are. This is what I tell all of my clients. So you need to have these benchmarks to know where do we go from here? And that the survey is definitely helping to set set the stage. Um, yeah. And I think something to remember on this slide too, and in, in setting that stage is that these you know, it's it's not just revenue dollars that are being affected. I mean, these are Kentuckians who need services right. and who are unable to get them because of a, a reduction of services. So it's a, a 
you know, just to add to the doom and gloom, it's, yeah. you know, there, it's a very dire situation and an important situation for, for many Kentuckians that depend on these services. Right. I think being able to wrap our arms around it is, is the first step in, in moving towards some hope, right? This next slide, we talk about the uh, increased need and expenses. And so there's a 54% expected increase in demand for, is that 2021? Yes. Okay. So it was a current or expected increase. So some have already experienced that mm -hmm. increase. Others are expecting it. With a total increase in expenses of $13.6 So is that on top of their current budget from 2020 to 2021? Yes. So we asked specifically about increased expenses due to COVID-19. So most of that would not be accounted for in their projected right. budgets. Because they yep. probably weren't uh, budgeting for COVID <laughs> in 19 or, you know, January of 2020. Of 2020, exactly. There's a much greater need, potentially brand new services uh, for these nonprofits. And the next slide really goes a little deeper into what areas of increased need are the, the nonprofits that responded seeing from their clients. And it may come as no surprise what the first two are. Uh, Laura, you want to go into more of that? Yeah. So we asked about, the, from, and this is specifically from the organizations that reported seeing an increased need from their clients. Mm -hmm. We asked what those top five areas or what the, the areas of increased need they were seeing. The top five were um, food insecurity, and that was followed by housing, which was closely followed by mental health, then utilities, and employment. So yeah, like you said, Liz, it's most of these are not surprising and and really what we were were expecting. Um, and I will say that we had about 15 options here in the survey. Oh, wow. um, and then of course, an option for folks to fill in others. About eight of them were filled in and selected by about a quarter, at least a quarter of respondents. So that tells me that really the need was pretty high across the board and in most of these areas. Absolutely. Food insecurity is over 40% on, mm -hmm. this, on this graph and this slide. And I'm wondering, though, if there was a way to showcase where these needs kind of maybe are, uh, are higher or lower in different areas of the state, like a difference between urban areas to rural areas. That's a great question. And one that we, our survey really didn't dig into that. Um, it was just a, a little too broad to go into yeah. that specifics. Um, I would say that, you know, there, we, we might be likely to see some of those differences across geography, but I would think some of the subsector nonprofits out there would probably be able to do a better job of honing in on those geographic needs, you know, whether that's Feeding Kentucky or Homeless and Housing Coalition of Kentucky to dig into exactly where those geographic breakdowns are. But just one more question on this. Such a, yeah. It's an interesting slide for me. How, how do you think this compares nationally on trend nationally? I would think this trends nationally without having Having that data in front of me, I would think that that matches up to what we're hearing and seeing from our state association colleagues from across the country. And because, I'm sorry, I told you, I like this slide. 
Um, yeah. Because mental health is number three on of the top five, do you feel as though there will be a trend for more of a focus, the need for mental health services or... I'm asking you to look into your crystal ball right now. I know, but uh, what do you think, Laura? I, you know, (laughs) my crystal ball says, yes, I think you're, you're spot on there. I think it would not surprise me to see more folks incorporating that in somehow into, you know, work they're doing or support they're giving. I know that it's something that we've touched on as the state association of nonprofits, as I mentioned earlier, and just kind of supporting how can how can employers support their employees and themselves in the realm of mental health. And it's something that, you know, we have a regional group in Lexington that's been working through some issues and, you know, the, the mental health component has come up often in regards to both racial justice issues and um, and COVID and education issues as well. So yeah, I think that it, it is something that will hopefully be continued to to uh, be touched upon more and more. People are are, are taking notice of, of new issues that oh, yeah. have always been there. They're highlighted during this unprecedented time in our history. Uh, I know we're going fast, everyone, but we've got a lot of information to cover and we wanna make sure we touch on as much of it as we can. While we've got Laura with us today, we're going to move on to revenue sources impacted. I think there's probably no surprise with most nonprofits that special events revenue was critically impacted in the year 2020. Yeah, so we saw that, of course, not surprisingly, special event revenue saw the greatest decline. In 2020, 55% of respondents reported that that was down by 50% or more. Um, And then at 31% projected a similar decrease again in 2021. So, you know, we're somewhat hopeful for 2021. Um, There's still a decline projected, but it's less of a decline. You know, many organizations made that transition for their special events from in-person to virtual. And I, I would imagine that in 2021, there's both a combination of hope for some sort of in-person event coming back or a more a higher comfort level with whatever their transition was to a, to virtually pivot that revenue. There's a first glimmer of hope. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's how I projected it when I was looking through these slides. People are feeling hopeful but they're still being realistic. Um, I think so. And I think we'll see that, like you mentioned, I think we'll see that on a lot of the revenue source slides. Yeah. And then we go into the revenue sources, impact fees for service or earned revenue. And I got to say it was very much impacted, but it does seem like perhaps this is another creative area for nonprofits to be unique and show uh, entrepreneurialism. You yeah, so what we saw on, on fees for service, uh, 35% reported that this revenue source was down by 50% or more, and 20% anticipate a similar decrease in 2021. 
you know, and you bring up a great point. Are some folks getting creative and adding in some sources? That certainly could be it, especially, you know, following up on the special event slide we just covered. Mm -hmm. I know there are a lot of organizations that are trying to make up for, for some of that revenue and maybe realizing that special events with or without COVID aren't the best or the only source of revenue. So I do hope that there is some creativity and new earned revenue streams. I also know that, you know, some organizations are more affected than others, just like all sources, there's uh -huh. a mixed impact. So uh, for some, earned revenue was coming in from conferences and branching out and doing more conferences is probably not, you know, in their cards for 2021. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see whether these are, are new and creative sources and luckily they're projecting a smaller decline for next year in um, in this source as well so hopefully people are still feeling you know more more hopeful than they were down 28 percent um, expects that that'll be down by 16 to 49 percent which is a bit higher than than what they saw in 2020 but i wanted to highlight one area that so this NA on this slide, is that not, not applicable or they didn't know? Because there's a such, there's a big difference on this slide about 30, you know, 30.42% versus uh, in 2020, 28.74%. Maybe there's some folks that are actually going to try for the very first time this brand new thinking of an earned or fee for service income you know, people are being pushed into trying something out of their comfort zone. Is that what, am I reading that correctly? So we, we offered the NA or not applicable option for all the revenue sources because not, you know, not every nonprofit uses every revenue sure. stream. Our vision for that was, you know, folks who don't make any sort of, of earned revenue or, or don't charge any fees for service. Um, there is, yeah, I do see that number um, from NA going down slightly. That's something that we do see on a variety of slides, and I hesitate to read too much into it. I think that you could be getting onto something that they they could be adding a new revenue source, certainly. Um, but I also, because that number changed or changed so frequently, um, not in huge numbers, but so frequently from slide to slide, I do wonder if, if folks just weren't quite sure Cut when to use that. that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm just looking for the glimmer of hopes here. I was just going to move us to this next slide about yeah. uh, revenue sources that are impacted for corporate grants and sponsorships. Say, what do you think about this slide in comparison to the others? People doing more of this, less of this? Is there a higher focus on corporate entities? I think that we've seen a lot of organizations who have had less of a decline in corporate grants and sponsorships this year, which might inspire them to, you know, to count on that and feel a bit more hopeful for next year as well. You know, there were some some incentives in the CARES Act for corporate giving, allowing corporations to deduct more of their taxable income with gifts. So I think some organizations definitely um, not didn't benefit from that or benefited from that and allowed them to just kind of stay within their expected budget and that source. And yeah, I mean, we're hearing from many of our fundraising consultants. Uh, we do we do monthly fundraising calls, and our fundraising consultants, you know, typically encourage folks to 
um, to stay pretty hopeful about their corporate grants and sponsorships, even if it means a pivot to the to the virtual space. Corporations are, for the most part, staying on board. So, of course, there has been a decline, um, and nonprofits are affected in different ways. But I think there is reason to feel pretty hopeful or less in despair about this revenue source than many of the others. The corporations are in uh, all going through something different with the pandemic in the same way that nonprofits are. So, you know, some of those corporations are having to make cuts and nonprofits are certainly on the receiving end of some of those. I think the same could be said for the individual giving as well, which is the next slide for revenue sources being impacted. Homes, families, individuals, they're all being impacted differently, just like you said about corporations. Talk to us about how nonprofits feel individual giving is going to be supporting them through this next year. Yeah, and as you can see on the slides, uh, these uh, that within 15% of expected budget is pretty high for both 2020 and projected in 2021 for individual giving. Organizations have seen a pretty steady, and I think this was the most steady of all the revenue sources that we've seen, that we've seen um, a pretty steady uh, revenue flow coming in from individual giving. I think that we saw this, you know, we saw this in um, in May, back in May of 2020 at our Kentucky Gives Day. That was our, I think, second highest ever day of giving, online day of giving that we'd ever seen. So I think individuals are are showing up and um, and continuing to support the organizations that they've always supported and many are finding new organizations to support as well based on you know new interests and and new focuses that have come out of COVID. Sure so um, I'm hearing uh, retaining donors uh, strategies that will nonprofits will need to focus on and then maybe a, a, a real focus on uh, new donors, look, educating them as to how these new donors who found an interest in being a part of philanthropy and giving to Kentucky nonprofits as a fundraiser, those two groups should probably be treated a little differently in order to really engage them with the mission of the organization. But definitely a hopeful, hopeful bright spot, uh, some lemonade, right, for uh, strategies when planning for 2021 into 22 for your annual fund. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, I think that so there's a lot of hope there and I think it's great news and has really kept these organizations going. And then I think the, the main thing that we want to reiterate here too, is that we, you know, individual giving can't fully sustain organizations past this pandemic um, or in long-term in general. So I think this is great to give that glimmer of hope. And I think we envision it continuing, but, you know, reiterate that these other revenue sources will continue to, to bump back up. There is definitely a portfolio of different revenue streams that nonprofits need to, and it's not just for pandemic days where we're all uh, seeing a lot of changes in our economy. But just in general, uh, there needs to be separate strategies for individuals, corporate and foundation work. And speaking of foundations, seems like in this next slide, there is some more steady hope 
that nonprofits who responded to the survey see in their foundation? Yeah, I think so. They've been hanging in here, um, hanging in there for foundation grants. I think that many organizations received some relief funds from foundations. You know, there were foundations giving out quite a few um, relief fund options across the state. So I think that helped kind of carry them through. And there was, we saw this a lot in our, our surveys over the course of 2020, there was a push for foundations to give urgently now um, to give more and to loosen restrictions, restrictions. on those um, funds. I think many of them did that. And I don't know that all of them did, but many of them did, but we'll see, you know, whether they continue doing that moving forward. You know, as we move forward into away foundation grants and looking at government grants, little different story on this particular slide, it looks like. And I wonder what government grants will look like now that we have a new administration in the Oval Office. Talk to us a little bit about what you learned from the survey respondents. Yeah, so when we look at these numbers, there are, of course, the NA category is pretty large here with close to 40% who are unaffected or unimpacted uh, because they don't receive government funding. And 25% expected to stay within 15% of their budget, 30% expect that in 2021. Something to remember when we're looking at these numbers is that mid-December was around when folks were completing this. Mm-hmm. There, was, there were a lot of unknowns at that time and likely contributed to you know, some higher increases in projections for 2021. You asked about the new administration. We're certainly somewhat optimistic that another round of federal relief will come through. Um, Right now, what we're seeing is that the relief package is pretty light in terms of the urgently needed relief that the sector needs. So those of you who are interested in helping us advocate um, should definitely reach out to KNN and we will certainly give you the information you need to help us reach out to legislators about what it is that nonprofits are going to need in this relief moving forward to keep these numbers up. So as we move forward into this slide deck, I was very happy to see that over 60% of nonprofits have remaining cash reserves for the next three to nine months, it looks like. I think that's good to see people are being, are prepared. Yeah, these numbers surprised us a bit. We were kind of taken aback. And I should um, just say here too that uh, the slides should say, um, the 31% should say we have six plus months reserves remaining rather than nine months. Okay. Um, so I can get you those updated slides, Liz. But yeah, this this 61%- Yeah, 61% um, over three months is better than what we saw in the spring and the summer, which was over half had responded and said they had less than three months. So some of this could be, you know, could be from relief funds helping, you know, helping folks put a little money back in the bank, cutting back on expenses. So a lot of organizations, I mean, whether that was due to furloughing staff or cutting program expenses might have contributed to that number increasing as well. And then, of course, we don't know 
exactly who these respondents are. So it might have simply been a, a different pool of respondents that caused that that difference between the summer and now. But I was was hopeful as you were when I saw these numbers. I'm usually pre- have prepared myself to see that over half have uh-huh. fewer than three months. So anytime it's over that, I'm pretty good. <laughs> yes. So and another bright spot comes in the form of, of new jobs created despite funding decreases. 20% of organizations reporting increased service demand and have hired new staff. This is a bright spot for our economy, right? I think so. Um, You know, we, again, this is only 265 respondents. And out of those, there were a total of 343 new jobs. That's a pretty good number for such a small snapshot. One thing to remember here, and I hate to continue bringing in, you know, not quite doom and gloom, but bringing us down a bit. I think this is a number to celebrate. Yeah. I also think it just shows, it really shows that there is a high need at these organizations and these organizations are trying to meet that need and meet their mission. So it doesn't necessarily mean that there is a an influx of revenue that folks are just waiting to spend on hiring new staff. It really just means, okay, well, well, folks need our services. So we're going to do everything we can to to provide those services. And yeah, and it might be hiring some new staff. As as we've touched on the economic impact and the uh, placement of the sector as a major employer is something to really be celebrated. And this is a good example of that. Getting creative. It's hard work, but we can do hard things. This is a, a testament to that hard work and doing and getting it done, no, no matter the cost. So bravo, nonprofit sector. Let's show the rest of the industries that drive our economy how they can get creative and continue to do the good work that we all need to, to have done. Next slide is about the permanent impact of the pandemic. I thought this was very interesting and, and really kind of felt like there were some pros and cons to the permanent impact of the pandemic, especially began new collaborations that will remain in existence. Over 40% said, yeah, we're going to have that in place. What other pros and cons did you see as we look through a, a couple of different slides with similar questioning? Yeah. So it looks like these two slides focus on that. Um, and you mentioned the collaborations. I think that's huge. And that number is up from 26% in the summer. So organizations are seeing that they need and want collaborations and that allows them to continue meeting their mission. I think another something to celebrate here is the addition of new services. So we see that 39% have added new services or programs to meet increased needs. I think that is certainly challenging given the limited resources of organizations, but it's great that organizations are seeing where the need is and um, continuing to do their work and meeting that. Um, I'm also interested in this closing physical locations and working remotely. So that's at 15%, um, and that was up from 7% in the summer. So I think more organizations are thinking openly and creatively about how they can operate and do business. Many of them were just kind of feeling it out this spring and summer, but now that a lot of us have been here for close to a year working remotely, we're able to see 
you know, this is a way that, that some organizations can continue to do their work and perhaps save some resources. Absolutely. And reallocate those resources to perhaps programming, working smarter, not harder. You know, as we go through uh, these next couple of slides, what's next for nonprofits? It seems as though there's a high confidence from the respondents on what is next I think you're right. I think there is, a, I think this is a pretty hopeful slide to look at or a set of slides to look at. Um, 80% of nonprofits said they're confident they'll stay at their current or higher level of activity for next year. And that was up over 20% from wow. the summer. So I think that, you know, many nonprofits were worried and overwhelmed and not that they're not still feeling that, but I think now they have kind of been able to wrap their heads around new ways of doing things, um, which brings us to the 98% of respondents said they would continue to rethink how their organization can deliver their programs and services. We were laughing. We're surprised that's not 100% because that feels like everyone in and out of the nonprofit sector is having to rethink that. But I think that's a good thing. I think that, you know, not to say that that it's I would wish this this experience upon anyone ever again, but I do think that it is one silver lining is it has really challenged and encouraged nonprofits to think about the the work they can do and how they can make changes and potentially serve more people or serve people people differently. Um, many organizations are considering a strategic alliance with another organization. That went up, that. yeah, that went up from 23% in the summer to now 67%. Wow. So that's a huge increase. I think that we've already seen, you know, organizations um, who are members of KNN start to bulk up their partnerships with other organizations to better support their community's needs around COVID uh -huh. and strategic alliance can really incorporate all sorts of things that might be shared programming venture, a joint new or continued um, joint programming. It could be something like shared staff or shared back office support, which would really help organizations, you know, manage and, and work with their limited resources. We're not talking mergers though. That right. doesn't seem like it's on the table for, for nonprofits at this sector, which is okay because all those things that you mentioned can absolutely happen without merging two organizations, two very different things, right? So why do you think mergers are not on the table at strongly disagree with considering a merger at 42.6%? What do you think that that's from? I think that there are a couple factors that could be coming to play. One, they might, you know, feel like that's a failure of their organization. It might be a scary thing to wrap their head around or admit, even if they might eventually have to shut their doors. Um, and I understand that. It's not a failure, but I, I think that there's a stigma around that. I think um, it might feel to some like it's hard to find the right fit. You know, if they're going to merge with someone, it has to be the exact right fit. And I think it, that can feel really overwhelming to folks, along with the entire overwhelming legal resource heavy process. And then ultimately, I think nonprofits, you know, and, and many of us like doing things our own way. And it feels like a big sacrifice and a big change to consider merging that with another entity. Yeah. And I will throw in a plug right here on the back of the strategic alliance and merger 
questions that we have some webinars coming up where we are going to dig into partnerships and what exactly that looks like for organizations. So if it's something that folks are considering as they're listening to this, whether that's a merger or more intentional strategic alliance or partnership with an organization, there are a lot of ways to go around that and a lot of benefits to it. Yeah. So I you can know, certainly fun- share that information too. Yeah, that would be great. I think funders in this region were already wanting nonprofits to partner on particular projects even before the pandemic. It was something that a lot of folks that I've talked to in, in this region, a lot of funders have wanted to see that. Now it's just there's another spotlight on the need for alliances, partnerships, uh, requesting money together as a project, uh, like a coalition instead of individual nonprofits. So I think this is just another another good reason for people to consider it. It does seem like in these last slides, and then we'll have to say goodbye, but there is a lot of hope in the nonprofit industry and sector. We're still being realistic. It says this, we are uncertain about our financial future of our organization. There is a 35% saying that they disagree. While there is still, looks like, 44% who are strongly agree or agree. So it, it's kind of split. Yeah, I think it's split. And But one positive to point out here is that 63% agreed or strongly agreed with this statement back in the summer. Mm-hmm. And it's down to, looks like, 45% or so. So it's... It's actually, there are fewer organizations who are feeling uncertain about their financial future. So I think that they are trying to be realistic. It's not that, you know, there are influxes of of resources and, and money coming in. But I think now that we're, you know, 10 months into this new normal, I think organizations are are figuring out ways to manage and ways to wrap their head around it for now. But a lot of that obviously depends on some of the previous slides that we've touched on, you know, and projections for 2021. And we hope that a lot of that, you know, relief comes from the state and federal governments and that many of those other revenue sources can pick up or at least slow down less than they were in 2020. Uh, With that, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it.